Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. You know, one of my favorite parts about being a father when... My kids were little. My kids are not little anymore, but when my kids were little, was story time. Do I have any parents in here that like to share story time? Yeah? Story time was my favorite part. I, I remember when I was a kid, my grandpa uh, is this big old huge guy, and I was this little guy. I'm still just a little guy, right? But my grandpa, 6'4", like 250 pounds, and he had the biggest lap in the world. And I could go crawl into his lap, and he'd open up a book, and he'd share a story with me. And I always said that when I get to the age when I have kids, I want to make sure that I have story time, right? So this was my children's favorite story, real short. I'm going to share it with you today. Is that all right? It's Bible pop-up pals with David and Goliath. All right, so you know this one's going to be good. If you've already heard this story, don't give it away to your neighbor next to you, right? So this is how the story would go. David was a young shepherd. One day, he hurried to the big battle. And he said this, I love my God and I have faith. I know that he will keep me safe. Goliath was a giant man, and he looked down at David and laughed. <laughs> I'm so big and you're so small, there's no way you'll make me fall. Five smooth stones were just right for David's sling. Whirl and twirl and zip, zap, zoom, thunk, thunk, pluck, fall down, boom. God's army rejoiced. God won the battle. Thank you, God, you kept us safe. Thank you, God, for David's faith. Simple little story, right? In the eyes of a little kid, you can tell how that would be pretty exciting. And here's what I want you to understand about this today is that these stories like this that we read from the scriptures, we call them stories, but these things actually happened, right? And today what we're going to look at is we're going to look at Jesus and the way he told stories in order to impact the heart. In today's day and age, storytelling is a billion-dollar industry. And I'm not talking about people just sitting down with books, but, I mean, let's take a little quiz. If you're following along at home, you can take this quiz with us, all right? Raise your hand if you have Netflix. There's going to be no judgment in the house of the Lord today, all right? Raise your hand if you have Netflix. All right, raise your hand if you have Hulu. All right, raise your hand if you have Disney+. Plus. Okay, raise your hand if you have ESPN+. Plus. Okay, raise your hand if you have HBO Max. You get the point, right? I mean, we used to have maybe, you know, one cable package. Now we have all of these different apps, and it's because we enjoy storytelling. It's important for us to engage, and we connect, and somehow we're encouraged, or it plays on our emotions, and our emotions are up and down when we connect with these stories. So we don't mind giving people money to entertain us with storytelling. You realize that a television show or a movie is just another form of storytelling. Now, what you hold in your hands, hold up your Bibles here, if you have your Bible, if you have an app or if you have it in your device, that's cool too, but what you have in that app is you have God's written story for you. He used over 30 authors over the course of 1,500 years, making an account of 4,000 years of human history and looking into the prophetic future at least 3,000 years in order to connect with you. 
in order for you to be challenged by that story, challenged by that word. Included in this text right here that you hold in your hands is all forms of different communication. There's eyewitness accounts, right? There's words that have been passed down from generation to generation. And all of these oral traditions and these eyewitness accounts and from historical creation all the way to prophetic revelation at the end of the Bible... Right? All of it was written for your edification to encourage you, to uplift you, to equip you, to prepare you. This story is the way God is trying to connect with you today. Now, those of you who study such things will know that in literature, there are five elements necessary to have a healthy story. The first one we'll look at would be character. You want to make sure that there are appropriate characters. There has to be some sort of character development in order for there to be a good story, a story that you feel invested in. So when you open up the scriptures, there are characters that jump off the page, right? I mean, you have stories like David and Goliath, but central to this story, right, are the disciples in the New Testament and Jesus himself in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, you have the fathers of Israel, right? You can see all of those things, the saints of old and the apostles of the New Testament church. You can see how God interacts with his creation, the creation of man. You can even see how there's a spiritual realm that is taking place in these characters. And you see Satan trying to thwart the plans of God throughout the scripture. So there's character development here. You look at the second thing, there's the setting. And in this case, the setting of much of what we read about happens in the Middle East, in Israel, in the surrounding regions. But really the setting of this is the creation of God, right? God created everything that you see, right? The stars of the heaven, he hung those in place. He gave the waters their boundaries. He put the mountains where they should be, right? The setting is really the creation of God. And then we, from time to time, we catch a glimpse behind the veil of the heavenlies. And we see the spiritual realm. And we see some of what's happening in those spiritual settings as well. So you've got the character, you've got the setting, and then you have a conflict in order to have a good story. In this scripture, what is the conflict that we see? The conflict that we see that really rises off the pages and smacks us across the face is the fact that we have failed as God's creation, that we have sinned. And because we have sinned, we're separated from God and we're destined to spend eternity separated from God unless God would intervene. So that's really the conflict that is there. Again, there's conflict with forces of good and evil, right? Light and darkness. These are conflicts that are, are there throughout the scripture. But the main conflict is man's need for salvation. Then you have a plot. And what would that plot look like if you were to try to articulate it? It would be God pursuing his creation, God pursuing man in his love to reach out to man and to save man. That's a plot and a theme. Final of the five elements of a good story would be a theme. And you look for that theme and the theme would be the theme of redemption. That all throughout the scripture, there's this recurring theme of a blood atoning sacrifice in order to cover sin. And then that kind of culminates, climaxes, if you will, at the cross of Calvary where Jesus shed his blood so that we could find redemption and have hope of our salvation in Jesus. So you have these five elements, you have a complete story, you can see what God is doing in the midst of this scripture in order to connect with you. All of this, the purpose of all of this, the reason why we spend so much time going through this is because God wants to connect with us through these words. 
Now, if you think about this for a moment, let's hone in on that theme, the theme of redemption just for a moment. And God pursuing man wholeheartedly, trying to track man down, trying to pull men from the pit of their sin and of that darkness and of that separation. And at the center of that theme of redemption is Jesus the Christ. And throughout scripture, we'll come across this phrase, but God, right? John 3.16, everybody knows this Verse, most people know this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrated his love for us and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2 that you and I, we were dead in the trespasses of our sin, that we were lost, that we were dead spiritually speaking, but God who is rich in his mercy and because of the great love with which he loved us, he has made us alive together with Christ. This theme of redemption running throughout that, what you hold in your hands this morning is God's way of storytelling to captivate your hearts, to grab your attention, to say to you today that he has something to say. Will you listen? And again, at the center of this story, in the way that God chooses to communicate and to connect with you, is the central character, the central theme of all of this text is Jesus himself, the greatest storyteller to ever live. Think about where we're at if you're reading through this gospel text with us in that gospel reading plan. I hope you are. But if you're reading with us in this plan, you'll see how this is developed, how Jesus' ministry is developed. And he began, and he was relatively unknown, but these things began to happen. He began to preach powerfully to the masses, and people were attracted first and foremost to that preaching. And they came to hear this guy because they scratched their heads, and they wonder, here's a guy who's normal, who we grew up with, who we know his parents, we know exactly who this guy is, but there's something different about the way he preaches. There's authority in his words. And he would get up and he would open up the text of the scripture or unroll the scroll and he would read and he would say, now this text is telling you about me, can't you see it? And he would ask them, apply that text, that scripture to me. Understand that the Bible has been speaking of me all along, but as his popularity grew, more and more people began to crowd around him. More and more people came to listen to him, and more and more people came with grave needs. If you've been reading with us, you've read of the man who came with leprosy, and he comes to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, if you are willing, I believe you can make me cleansed. You can heal me if you're just willing. Jesus looks at this man who was an outcast, who everyone else would have ignored. No one would have dared speak to this person, let alone touch this person. He looks at this person in the eye, and he says, I am willing. Be cleansed. And the man is cleansed immediately. You can read the story of the centurion who comes to Jesus and he's begging Jesus, Jesus, please, I have a servant that is sick. Will you heal him? And Jesus says, well, take him to me. And the centurion says, I'm not worthy that you would even come into my home. You just speak the word and I believe he'll be healed. And Jesus says, I've never seen this kind of faith, not even in Israel, amongst my own people. But because of this faith, just trust me, your servant is healed. And the Centurion goes back, he checks on his servant, and the servant was healed the moment Jesus spoke the word. You'll see in the text of the Gospels how masses of people, not only because of Jesus' 
powerful preaching, but because of his powerful healing ministry, they gather around him and they're bringing the lame and the sick and the blind and the deaf and those with withered hands, those people who are in need of touch from Jesus, who are in need of some sort of healing. And the scripture says that he heals them all that are brought to him. So much so that the crowds just continue to build and grow and grow and grow. And now when he looks out into the crowd, he's not sure what he's working with. See, there are some people in that crowd who are just there out of curiosity. They hear about this rabbi who's traveling around town preaching. And yes, he has a powerful message, but he seems to have a powerful healing ministry. And so out of curiosity, they make their way to Jesus and they come into the presence of Jesus. And they're curious about who this person is. And they want to see this move of God for themselves. And so they come to Jesus just out of curiosity, wondering if this really is the person that, that he says he is. So there's those who are curious. Then there are those who come into the presence of Jesus for purely carnal motives. All they want is to be healed. All they want is to be fed. You know, Jesus fed thousands of people when they would sit down. He'd break bread and the bread would just keep getting passed out over and over and over again. And so there are these people who are just there for carnal purposes. Just meet my need. Just feed me. Just heal me. Just do what I need. Then in the midst of the same crowd, there are the religious leaders who are there for the sole purpose of trying to create some sort of controversy. They're trying to cast seeds of doubt. They're trying to make people question whether or not Jesus really is the Messiah of Israel as he claims to be. But then in the midst of the crowd, there are those people who are convinced. Those people who aren't just curious, who aren't there for carnal purposes, those people who aren't there for controversy, Right? Those people who are really, truly convinced and are because they're convinced, they're committed to following after the Lord. So when Jesus sees these crowds that are beginning to gather around him, he begins to change the way in which he teaches the masses. And he begins to employ a teaching method, teaching with parables. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. And in Matthew chapter 13... We're going to read the parable that really is the key to unlocking all of the other parables. If you don't understand this parable, you're not going to be able to understand the other parables. So we're going to begin by looking at this parable specifically and trying to glean from this parable of Jesus all that we can and apply this to ourselves personally. Again, this morning, just like Jesus amassed those great crowds of people, again, this isn't as large of a crowd of people as Jesus would have had, but in this room, there are those same four types of people. There are those who are curious, those who are carnal, those who just want the controversy, but then in the midst of that crowd, there are those who are committed and are convinced that Jesus is who he says he is. And it's to those people that Jesus wants to address so even before we begin to read this text, I want you to stop and pause and just ask yourself just for a second, which one of those am I? What brought me here today? Am I convinced? Am I committed to following after the Lord? So let's read this together. We'll read the first nine verses or so and then we'll pause. Matthew chapter 13 the same day Jesus went out of the house, he sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. There you see it. These crowds are swarming around him. When these crowds would gather, 
The scripture actually says that sometimes Jesus would be pressed. And what it's speaking of there contextually in this in the Greek is someone who's being literally suffocated. Have you ever been in an elevator and it's really crowded and you're really uncomfortable? Can I just say this for a second? There are some things that maybe I don't appreciate about this, you know, whole COVID thing. And, you know, it's uncomfortable to wear masks. And I don't want telling people telling me whether or not I should or shouldn't be vaccinated. But sometimes I'm really appreciative of the fact that we social distance now. And people will kind of stay out of my space and I'll stay out of your, your space. Does that make sense, right? Those elevators, when you're so closed in or standing in line for something, or like when you're at a sporting event and they open the gates and everybody, like a herd of cattle are coming in, right? This is what it was like. This is what Jesus' life was like after he began ministry. He was constantly being pressed, pressed about on every side of him, so much so that it's like he was suffocating. He could hardly breathe because people wanted to be around him so much. There was a time where Jesus went out on a boat and he went to the other side of the lake and the people realized that Jesus had left on the boat and they ran by foot and they beat him to the other side of the lake. So when he got off, there was the same mass of people waiting for him, right? This is what it was like for Jesus constantly. The need was there constantly, constantly people needing healing, constantly people needing answers, constantly people needing hope. And he continued to meet that need through the strength of the Holy Spirit. Sidebar, you realize that the same Holy Spirit that moved through Jesus is available to move through you today? And that is an untapped potential for many of us. Why? Because we don't want to empty ourselves of the selfishness and the pride and the arrogance that is within our hearts so that God can fill us to the degree that he wants to and minister through us that same way. If the Holy Spirit were upon you, like the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus, masses of people would crowd around you constantly, constantly wanting a bit of your time. But really, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us, myself included, if I want to be honest, say, you know what, I, I don't know if I could handle that, right? And so what do we do? We say, Lord, I'm content with the amount of the Spirit that's in me right now. I don't know if I really can do much more. God wants to do so much more in and through you if you'll allow it. Right, so these crowds gather around. Look at this. In verse 2, it says, And great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. So if you think about this for a moment, those of you who maybe know the area of Mission Bay and Beach, you go up and you're on the beach side and the waves, even though the waves are not huge at Mission Beach, the waves are crashing. So if you have someone that's just a few yards away, you can hardly hear them speak, right? It's so loud. Right? You have to yell over the sound of the waves crashing on the beach. But when you're on the bay side, the water is still. And it's really easy to speak with someone that's very far away. So Jesus gets into this boat. He sets out a little ways into the water. He looks back and he sees the mass of humanity around him. And he uses the boat and the waters to kind of amplify his voice so that everyone can hear. And remember, this is the same guy. Thousands of people were, I mean, think of the size of like a basketball arena. That's how many people were around him. That was a huge mass of people during these days. Right? I mean, 10,000 people. The scripture records where Jesus fed 4,000 men at one time and 5,000 men at another time. And what it means by that is that was just the men that were being counted there. That doesn't include the women and the children that were in the audience. So I'm talking, you know, maybe 10,000 people from time to time gathered around Jesus. So he goes out onto the water. He speaks to them. Look at this, verse 3. And he told them many things in parables. 
Okay, he's going to change his preaching style. Remember I told you he would walk into synagogues and he would open up the scripture, the scroll, and he would say, he would read from the scripture, the Old Testament scripture, and he'd say, see, this is referring to me. I'm the Christ or I'm the Messiah. But now that there's so many different kinds of people in the audience, so many different kinds of hearts, so many people in so many different places, he's going to employ this different technique of teaching. He's going to begin to teach them using stories. Now, a story, this is one way that you can maybe think about it, a parable. It's a simple story that is meant to illustrate a deeper truth, right? So here's an example of maybe an earthly parable, parable of a frog. And the frog comes hopping up to this pail, and he's curious about what's inside the pail. So he musters up all of his strength, and he kind of rears back on his hind legs, and he jumps as high as he can into the air, and he falls into the bucket, and inside the bucket, he discovers that in that bucket, there's a bunch of milk. Now, once he's in the bucket, he doesn't have enough room to spread out or to stretch out, and he's having trouble jumping back out of the bucket. And he's so frustrated, and he thinks, what have I done? Why have I done this? I really got myself into a mess. My curiosity got the best of me, and now I'm going to die here in this bucket filled with milk. And he keeps trying to jump over and over and over again. He's trying to jump out of the pail of milk. He jumps all day and all night and into the far reaches of the night. Finally, he grabs some footing. Something has changed and he's able to jump out and into safety. See, what had happened is the frog had been agitating that milk for so long, day and night, into the wee hours of the morning that he had churned that milk into butter, and he found a place that he could stand, and he finally was able to hop out of the pail, right? So this is a simple story to illustrate a deeper truth. And in this case, this is a parable that is used to teach people that no matter how difficult the situation, don't give up, right? Now, in a biblical sense, a parable is not just a simple story that's supposed to illustrate a deeper truth. It's an earthly story, a worldly story, that's supposed to illustrate a spiritual truth. So the importance when we read these stories, when we read these parables, is the, the lens through which we're reading these. And this is going to become important in just a moment in our next point, right? So when we begin this, we have to really look and tune into the purpose of these parables now. The purpose of these parables, Jesus is going to actually tell us. First off, he's going to share this story, this parable with the masses. Look at here, verse 3 again. He told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. There are three elements here to this parable that we need to identify in order to glean the spiritual understanding of this earthly story. Okay, so a sower went out to sow. The first thing, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first element that we need to define is the sower. The sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. The second thing we need to pay attention to there is the seed. So we have the sower, we have the seed, and the third thing is also evident there in verse 4. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. So the path, we're going to see here four different kinds of soil. So in order to understand the spiritual depth of this parable from this earthly, worldly story that Jesus is sharing, we need to identify what he's speaking of when he speaks of the sower. What does he mean when he's talking about the seed? And what does he mean when he's talking about the soil? Are you with me? Are we all together? 
look at this, verse four. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. And since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, this is important that we see this portion again, because Jesus is using an earthly story to communicate a spiritual truth. And so he speaks this story and he's basically saying, listen, if you have a spiritual curiosity, if you're trying to tune into my frequency, you who are really paying attention, tune into this. You're going to get it. You're going to understand. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Those of you whose hearts are being maybe grabbed onto or being moved, tune into this story, tune into this truth. Let's dig a little bit deeper. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the ccciv.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.